LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Well, hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vernoy, here with my co-host, Todd Atkins. What? <laughs> it's been a while since you've you've had the chance to do that. <laughs> you caught me off guard, actually. Uh, so that wasn't that wasn't a great one. A little weak. You can uh, you can work on it. All right. Well, well, we are joined today uh, by a special guest, Ron Edmondson, who is currently the intentional interim pastor at First Baptist Clarksville. And we're going to talk a little bit exactly what that title means in just a few minutes. But before that, he was the president of Leadership Network. And we are excited because by the time that this episode launches, we will be launching the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast. Yay. He's joining the podcast network and is going to be a great resource for Christian leaders in all different spaces, whether you are a church leader, a nonprofit leader, or just a business leader who, who is leading in that capacity. So Ron, we're excited to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks guys for having me. I've, I've been looking forward to this. Well, we have as well. this too. Um, Ron, I mean, Ron has been a prolific leadership blogger, for I don't know how long. Um, and I, one of the things I've always appreciated about him is, you know, we pride ourselves on being practical and immediately applicable. And you'll hear us say that from time to time. Um, and he's the epitome of that and just has solidly produced so much great content. In addition to that, Ron has always been a practitioner, whether it was planting churches, turning around churches, um, He's got a lot, a lot of uh, experience and gas in the tank and continues um, to do that at a, at a local church level. So uh, just greatly appreciate you, your insight and, and so much experience that you bring um, both to us today, but also to the podcast network as a whole. I appreciate that. That's that's humbling. Well, today we're going to be talking about what it looks like to navigate a pastoral search, including, you know, putting together a pastoral search committee. And what's going to be really neat about this is what we're talking about today. Ron is going to be coming into studio and putting this all together into a ministry grid course that will be launching at a date to be determined. So be on the lookout for that. If you enjoy our conversation that's coming up, you're going to want to check that out. Now, Ron, I mentioned in your bio that you are the intentional interim pastor at First Baptist Clarksville. Now, some people listening to that are asking, what in the world does that term mean? <laughs> so can you share with us about what your specific situation looks like there? And I know that you all are now navigating a pastoral search committee. What does that look like at First Baptist Clarksville past few months? Well, first of all, I should say this is my home church. And we were here until I was 38 years of age. I was in the business world. so I, And during that time, I served as deacon and Sunday school teacher and different committees um, and and just love this church. Uh, we, when we surrendered to vocational ministry, obviously we, we were gone for a long time. And um, long story short, when we made the decision, uh, mostly involving grandchildren to move from Dallas to back to the Nashville area, 
First Baptist was in between uh, pastorates. They had had uh, they'd been without a pastor for a couple of years. Thought they had a pastor coming. The search didn't didn't end well, and the pastor ended up not coming. And um, and, and so they're kind of like shaking their heads, saying, "What are we going to do now?" They had had fill in pastors. They'd even I don't know if any of them were actually called interim, but they they had had somewhat interim pastors where somebody would come and and fill the pulpit for a season, you know, three months or whatever. Um, but the, some of the leadership reached out to me and said, could you come and, and, and fill that role? We, and pastor didn't, isn't coming. Would you come do that? And as we talked, the only way that I was willing to do it, because I, I'm not good at sitting on the sidelines and, and not addressing the issues that I see. <laughs> so I said that about the only way I would consider that as if I could come in a very intentional way and you can call it anything you want. We called it intentional interim pastor. Um, and Chandler, you asked a lot, said a lot of people are asking what that, what that means. They're doing the same thing here. <laughs> so, so they're asking, what does that mean? And yeah. it, it means I'm interim. So I'm in between pastorates and fill in the pulpit, that sort of thing. But I'm here with an intentionality to help the church be ready for its next pastor. Gotcha. So you, you mentioned in that, that you, you're not good at sitting on the sidelines that you, you want to, you know, be able to affect the change that's in the church. What does that look like for you? Since you are the, in, you are the intentional interim pastor. Have you, I mean, that's still a balance because you, you do want to wait for some change for the next guy. How have you navigated that? Well, carefully, um, you know, one thing we did was we we decided we wanted me to receive a church vote. So I came kind of in, uh, you know, how Baptist churches do it, kind of in view of a call almost. I preached and then the church voted. Um, I also met with the deacons and they voted uh, prior to that. And I really wanted that so that I had some um some credibility with going about what we were going to do. And then what I did, and this is just how I chose to do it. Uh, I think you could have done it a lot of different ways. What I did was I spent the first month or so creating what I've called consistently working with deacon leadership and staff, my big bucket list. And, Hmm. and basically what that meant was I'm looking for the big, items that need to be changed so that the church can move forward um, in a healthy way in the, in the year, in the years to come. And so, and be ready for that next pastor. So I've just, and it literally started with a, um, a legal pad with these buckets drawn on them and I'm writing in the bucket and the bucket list kept growing, but I've pushed those continually Um and, you know, those are things like bylaw changes and staff reorganization and worship services. We had two very different services, uh, one very traditional, one very contemporary, trying to put those together. Uh, so just all the, the things that basically last time we did a church revitalization, what were the things we addressed in the first three years? Well, let's address those in this intentional interim period. And mm-hmm. um, and, and so we've just pushed at them continually along the way. And one of those being helping the church find its next pastor. One of the things I think is really interesting uh, about this uh, conversation is I, I do think a lot of it comes back to um, culture and a shift in culture. 
So how do you, how do you address that and help a church, you know, get a, a healthy church culture through the pastoral church process, pastoral search process? <laughs> yeah. You know, there are a couple of things this 2020 has, has, has been like any other, no other year. Right. Um, yeah. and so that has helped. Uh, I, I can't, um, I can't over emphasize the fact that had we not been in a pandemic, I don't know that we could have addressed some of the things we have because there's a sense of desperation for all of us. But mm. the reality is the church wants a pastor, especially a church that's been without a pastor for a couple of years. And they're often willing to change a little bit more than they normally would because of that. Um, so you don't, and you have to be very careful. I've had to be very careful because I could have abused power if I'd have wanted to. Um, but you can't misuse that opportunity, but you do want to use it to leverage the, 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 the change. Um, one of my bucket list items was not the unification of the church, but that was in the back of my mind the entire time. This has to be a church that's unified. And so um, I've been strategic in the messages that we've preached. I've probably talked about unification as much as any other issue. We talked about conflict. We talked about uh, forgiveness. We talked about uh, just went through a series on the book of Acts and what a healthy church looks like. Uh, So really just casting vision for what church is and what it isn't. Uh, and then what is this church's mission and who is this church uh, designed to be? Um, I'd, I'd also say this. We, uh, we're we addressing the hard issues now, um, which is hopefully going to change the culture for the future. And even some of uh, you can't change DNA so much, but even some of the DNA the negative DNA that may have led to um, a, a, a pastor attracting quality pastors, but also keeping a quality pastor once they come. Hmm. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about what your time as the pastors look like and how you're trying to affect the culture, but there's going to be a point where you step away because they have found that next pastor. And, and part of what you, you're doing is, is helping them put together a search committee and select their new pastor. So, for those listening, can you just walk through some steps and considerations for starting a search committee and then selecting those members? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we are addressing the bylaws and and, and thinking through how that process can change, because let me just give you an illustration here. And, and again, this is my home church. I love the church. And so not uh, talking negatively about it. It's just a, the way they did it was very complicated, in my opinion. So they the deacons here would select a, a, a committee to meet and pray to select a committee who would go before the, the deacons and before the church and get voted on and approved. So I, the, my first meetings were with five people on a committee, and that committee used to be even larger than that. I recommended, okay, if we got to do this, let's make it as small as possible. So imagine they've got in the past 10 people that are on a committee to determine some names to suggest for a committee, you know? So it's just a long, long process. I've, I've tried to live in the tension of getting the committee going quickly and also being cross representative of the church. And you need both of those. Mm 
But the 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 reality is, and and guys, we're Baptist, and this is probably more so in our denomination as much as any. Churches notoriously take too long just to get the process started, just to even get to the point where you're thinking about names. And so, um, you know, we're changing that process going forward, Lord willing. We've got uh, the deacons have unanimously approved our new bylaws. It goes before the church in a couple of weeks. Um, so hopefully it will pass. I think it will. I mean, it seems to be headed in that direction. But in the future, we want to have a process that puts a, t- a committee together very quickly. Um, and for that, you can use a, a, an existing committee if possible, one that's already been vetted by the church, that uh, they've already voted on them, they've already approved these people, they've already said these are good people that we believe in, and let them just be your search committee. But trying to live in the tension between getting the committee going uh, and being cross-representative, because everybody will say, well, you don't have a teenager on there. Well, you can have people on there that like teenagers, you know, or that think yeah. like teenagers and senior citizens, you can have somebody on that has a senior citizen mother in the church, you know. So anyway, um, that's the first one is just trying to get the committee going. Um, then I would say, uh, you, you know, the next is is trying to determine who sits there. Well, let me say this. Instead of being so cross-representative, look for godly people who can remain unified through the process. That's what I would say. Um Look for people that are going to, you know, they're going to pray about it. You know, they're going to be diligent about it. You know, they're not troublemakers. Look for godly people who remain unified. And then set some early expectations um, with the committee. Uh, that So that was part of what my role was, was just to say, guys, and, and it's guys and girls, committee, and we found we ended up with a five person search committee. I think it's, that's a great size. You could go to seven. They've had committees here that went to 15, you know, it's just hard to, to work with that many people, but we've got five and I think they're absolutely uh, great five, five people. But some of the early expectations that we said, and it, it's just things you don't think to talk about is let's agree to be unanimous on the front end. That every decision we make, we have to be unanimous. Uh, mm. every, and, and the other thing is everyone's opinion counts. Uh, everyone's opinion matters. So one person can pull the plug on the whole thing. Um, but again, that's who you put on there is very important. But they need to all, because they're all looking at it differently. You know, we have on our committee out of five, there's three, uh, three women and, and two men. And, and there's been times where only one of them ha- fails a certain way. That's okay. You may be the one that, you know, God is using to, to keep the committee in check in that matter. And then the last thing I, uh, uh, that, that I'd say about that is we also decided as uh, we just decided, and this will work for some, it won't work for others, but we decided uh, there would be no chairperson. So no one was the actual leader. And that allowed everybody to take turns leading. So, you know, every time they get together, somebody else kind of sets the agenda and moves things forward. And that's just kept them all on the same page. But yeah, so that, that, uh, that's some of what we did. I, I do like that. So, um, you know, if we were looking at uh, uh, a 
from a business perspective, Lencioni would call that a working group, mm. I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, shifting from a committee mentality to a working group mentality, is that a difficult shift to make or um, is it just semantics? I think it's semantics a lot, but it all, I think it goes back to who you pick on the committee. And so, for example, and one of the things, of course, we had the committee before the committee. And one of the things I kept saying to them is what I knew based on the search before, and no one did anything wrong on that search. They were all trying to help the church. But you had uh, you had these alpha male um, figures and this sweet little gentle person, you know, who's not going to cross any. They're just never going to cross anybody. And you put them all in there and expected that was somehow going to going to work. And the the you know, the strong leader is is sitting in the chairman's role and they're just driving things forward. And this one other one is over there trying to figure out when to raise her hand, you know, to state an objection or whatever. We just went at it from, let's not create an environment where that exists. Let's look for people who are, are just good, godly people, you know, um, not necessarily. So that doesn't mean none of, they're not, they're all leaders in their own way. They're all leaders. And, um, uh, so that, that's just what worked here. It, it, but I think that there are some semantics in, in place, too, as well, of look of, of just under and, the, and ground rules up front. We have to get along here. Hey, look, we, we agreed. We have to get along here. Take it in terms of a, of a marriage. How many marriages have you seen in, in relationships you've had where one is the dominant and the other never gets a word in? Well, that's not healthy, right? So a lot of it has to do with how you set it up in the beginning, the expectations you place upon them. And this is how you have to work together. And we just tried to tried really hard to set those expectations up well. In the midst of this unique season, Ministry Grid wants to help your church stay on the same page and maintain discipleship. Their hope is to help you continue to accomplish equipping the saints for the work of the ministry even during social distancing. With Ministry Grid, you can train your volunteers on new or updated policies and procedures, resource your staff on new or updated ministry structures and responsibilities, share digital access to Bible studies for groups and classes meeting online, and equip families in at-home discipleship. And here's the best news of all. Ministry Grid is offering a special offer just for our podcast listeners. To learn more about this offer, go to ministrygrid.com slash podcast to get unlimited access for $3.99 a year. This offer is only valid through October 31st at midnight, so make sure you sign up before the end of the month. Now, once again, just go to ministrygrid.com slash podcast to learn more. Now, back to the podcast. Well, you mentioned the, the term intentional interim pastor was added because it's hard for, you know, hard for you to sit on the sidelines. Right. So once that committee's formed, how, how do you lead that search committee? How, how have you gone about that? Maybe some other best practices that you've seen. Well, first of all, I would, I would say I have not led that committee. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm there for them. Uh, i you know, I help them as much as I can, as much as they need me to, but I'm not in their interviews. 
I'm not picking their, their their names. I'm not giving them, hey, here's my top three. You know, I'm not doing any of that. Uh, the church has to needs to pick the next pastor, not mm-hmm. not me. And and that's even been a because I'm wired more for the dr- driver type, you know, and people see that. That's even been questions that have been asked is, you know, is Ron picking the next pastor? Well, no, I'm not. I mean, and the committee can honestly tell you that I'm not doing that. I have to be real careful to set the right parameters for myself. Um, you know, and, and I, we all know places where the pastor stays a long time and uh, and and helps pick the next pastor, brings names to the table or whatever. I love the overlap when they can bring the heir apparent and they're there for a while and serve together. That doesn't happen a lot, but I like when that happens. But I think who, whether it's the previous pastor or the uh, interim, if they are involved, there needs to be a certain uh, parameters in place because, uh, again, the church has to live with that next pastor. Uh, when I'm when my time's done here, I go down the road. I'm coming you guys way towards Nashville, and I don't have to live with it anymore. So uh, you know, I'm an advisor. Um, I help them find names, uh, and I've done a lot of that. I give guidance maybe on what a pastor is looking for or how a pastor's thinking, or if they ask this question, here's what that might mean. You know, here's how you what you might ask them. I, so I, some of those type things, but then I stay out of the way, and I'm, I'm just available as, the, as needed. So how much should – the previous pastor, you know, you mentioned it's great when they're part of the process or sometimes they pick, um, pick the next guy. How much should the previous pastor or an interim pastor help in that process? I mean, you kind of answered that, but what's the pros and cons? You know, it, honestly, I think the previous pastor, unless I just went through this uh, sitting as a church member, watching how Steve Stroop did it at Lake Point. He'd been there 40 years and now Josh Howerton has come behind him. And to me, it looks from the outside like that's been done about as well as it can be done. And I know Steve was very involved in that process of, of bringing Josh to the table. But uh, I think that's probably the rare exception and may happen only when you're a Steve Stroop that's been there 40 years. You know, I, I think probably if, and I'm just, I'm talking very high level here. I think the previous pastor probably needs to be involved less. Um, I think an interim can be involved more because, especially if they're not a candidate, and I think that's a real important distinction. But the previous pastor, I say less only because churches typically, and, and both of you have seen this so many times, churches typically go a different direction when they pick their next pastor. Uh, they, you know, if if this pastor was strong on communication but weaker on leadership, they may go more towards the strategic leader and, you know, still want the communicator, but one becomes more important. If this pastor was very pastoral and outgoing, they, they may look for somebody that's more of a strategician that's going to help the church uh, grow more and that sort of thing. So I think, again, 
the church has to live with it. And I think the more you can put that into the hands and they're going to ask probably, especially if you're ending in good, on good terms as a previous pastor, they're going to ask for your input. They're going to want some of that. And I think that's fine. I mean, I think to serve in that advisory role is probably helpful, but I would be careful if I'm the previous pastor or the search committee asking for that of allowing them too much to pick that next pastor. Again, interim's a little different because potentially like me, in this case, as an intentional interim, they actually asked me to come and play that role. That was part of what they were looking for. And so I've just tried to be a safe place for the committee to come to me when they have issues and concerns and for the candidates that they're talking to, to say, here's what I'm trying to address. Here's the th- here are the things I'm trying to do. I'm trying to set it up where you can win and I'm not in the way. Um, but I, I think both parties have to be real careful uh, not to get too much in the way and look like, or actually be finding the next pastor. Well, once a pastoral search committee finds, you know, here's the pastor that we have kind of zeroed in on, what are some practical steps to take once that potential candidate has been chosen? Well, this is this is one place where that former pastor or the interim can can help. Um, think on behalf of the candidate and their family. Uh, treat them well. Uh, in the the process of bringing them in to introduce them to the church, uh, certainly through the whole interview process and that sort of thing. You know, I interviewed and you always have to be careful telling these stories. Don't know who's going to listen, but I interviewed (laughs) uh, once at, at a church and, and they brought me in and put me in a hotel The the church was having some financial issues and I knew that, but they brought me and put me in a hotel. My wife probably would not have stayed in. Um, you know, it didn't, and I got it. I totally got it. And, and somebody, they had delegated the committee probably had little to do with it. They delegated it to somebody on staff and they're like, we don't have any money. So let's just put him up somewhere. Um, I think that, I think it may have even been suggested. Do I want to stay in somebody's house? I'm like, "Mm, guys, that's probably not, not me. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm a strong introvert, you know? So, um, treat them well because you're, you're casting vision for how you're going to treat them in the future. And, and so really uh, think through that. We, uh, they, this committee has brought somebody in and, and I just, I, I coached them on the type place where they put them. Um, you know, I've, I've interviewed in the corporate world a number of times. And when you go get to your hotel room there. Uh, I've spoken at conferences or at churches and you get to your hotel room and there's this basket of goodies from the community, you know, waiting for you and yep. your family and all that. And it's just, you know, it, it just says a lot about that, uh, about the, who the church is. Um, but I also don't overwhelm them with too many meetings. I mean, obviously they want to know, um, they want to know, the church wants to know them and wants to get to know them. But again, when I interviewed at, 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 at this particular church, I probably had 20 meetings in a week, you know, it was just wow. over and over and over again. And by the time I was supposed to preach on Sunday, I was literally worn out. Just, <laughs> I'm sure. just, you know, uh, just worn out. Um, uh, another thing I would say about the, um, 
about the way you treat them is give them the whole story before they get there. And um, churches, I, I always like to say, and it's a joke, but I like to say it, search uh, committees can be tremendous liars. And they're not really, or they can be salespeople. That'd be a, a nicer way to say it. <laughs> Let them know the problems. Let them know what they're walking into. That's actually been one of the benefits here. And as a result of that, because I know the church, because I've gotten to know the church in recent histories, and because I'm serving in this intentional interim role, I've been able to talk to candidates when they want me to, and with the approval of the search committee every time. And talk through, here's what I see. Here's what I see in the staff. Here's what I see with the programs and the buildings. And here's what I, here's the challenges that I see that you're going to face. And we talk through those so that there, there, there are no surprises. They know exactly. And we had, a, we had uh, a couple of candidates that have pulled out because when they heard the whole story, they're like, I didn't sign up for that. Well, I'd rather they know that now than, yep. than down the road. So let me, let me flip that question just a little bit, because I, I think you do have some experience and you've heard stories as well of, of pastors who they may not have heard the whole story. Mm. Uh, they, they were, the search committee was kind of playing the salesman role and they were trying to, you know, have somebody say yes to their, to that role. So for a pastor who has been, is the potential candidate, you know, let's say there, there's that you know, they're coming in, meeting the church, maybe it's like you, they're preaching that first weekend. What advice would you share for that potential candidate? And this probably is helpful for even the search committee to, to hear of how should, you know, what questions should they ask? Um, what are, you know, kind of the first, there's the book first 90 days, but if you could almost put it together a little set, uh, checklist, what is the first, you know, weekend, the first month look like for a potential candidate coming in? Well, two different, probably two different questions that I'm hearing there. One is before you get the job and, and the other is after, you know. Yeah, let's just go with before you get the job. Yeah. What, what are the questions you need to ask? You know, I, I would I would say this and this is this is hard advice, but um, fully vet the job. Yeah, the, the worst, you know, a lot of times a pastor will will apply somewhere and it really sounds exciting. And, you know, pastors, senior pastors usually are, um, you know, and it depends on the, uh, on the pastor, obviously, but they they want to win the kingdom for Christ. They got these big dreams of of, of grandeur, you know, of what they're going to do and that sort of thing. And so we can talk ourselves into it. And I've been totally um, uh, guilty of this, where I'm so convinced I, that I want it, that I talk myself into the job and then you're miserable afterwards, you know, um, just fully vet it because it's going to be miserable and that, and, and life's too, too short and, and, and the kingdom is too important to not fully vet it and make sure this is the right place for you. And, and that's, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, that just happened, like just happened. And, and this will come out uh, soon. And so this is fresh and, and, and taking place, but uh, there was a candidate here and I, I think he's amazing. He's going to land somewhere and absolutely be amazing. And I, I think he would have been great here. Uh, I just said to him early on, I said, look, don't, don't go down this road too far with, if, if you're not sure this is for you. 
because this committee has their heart in this. They're working so incredibly hard and, and they're going to be injured, you know, uh, if, if this goes too far and then you decide not to come. And, and because of that language, um, that we would, that he and I talked about, he poked around a little more and determined this wasn't the place for him. I think that's important, you know, but I mean, specifically what kind of questions is, um, not just, the, the church, but the community and how they treat the how they treat churches and the and, and pastors. How does the the church historically? How have they treated pastors? How was the last pastor? Why did they leave? And have the last few pastors left? And what's it like to actually lead here? And who in the church has been here a long time that I can talk to? And you know, just uh, I've actually on my blog posted some of those questions, just a bunch of questions that you can ask to kind of investigate a little bit. And maybe we can put that in the show notes or something, but uh, yeah, just, just don't be afraid to ask the questions and there are nice ways to do it. And if the committee thinks you're being too in, uh, too involved in asking too many, okay, maybe it's not the right place for you anyway. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> So I, I do have a, a follow up question to that too. What, what questions um, should be asked about expectations of a pastor's wife or, I mean, where does she get involved in the process or how does he figure out if this is going to be a fit for his wife as well? I mean, we've all been in ministry a, a long time and we know that sometimes it, it could be a fit for, um, the pastor, but not as, not his wife. Oh, absolutely. And what I would say there is, uh, and what we've been, uh, what I've been advising this committee here is always include the spouse if, if she, if she wants to come. And, and so if, you know, we've done a lot of zoom calls or they have because of the pandemic and all that, but also just cost of bringing somebody in. So they've done a lot of zoom calls, I always say if if your spouse wants to join you, that's fine. Um, and some have and some haven't, but we've allowed that. Um, but then every time they've interviewed and I've helped them create some of those questions, we've had questions um, uh, of the of the spouse so um, that they can answer or have the spouse answer. Like, what do you like to do? What do you want to do? You know, that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and the same goes with the pastor of asking those questions. What are going to be the expectations of my spouse, of my wife? That's an important question also, because we all know churches as well, that Sunday's coming, they're expected to be in children's ministry or playing the piano. Right. And, <laughs> And so we, you, you want to know that too, as far as what are the expectations placed upon the spouse. But I, th- I think the big thing is just to include them and give them a sense of freedom to ask their own questions. Because I, in my experience, uh, spouses always ask better questions, more honest questions. So Ron, we know that you're particularly close uh, to this church and you know, you've got a history here, but what have been some of the challenges that you have had to navigate during this pastoral search process? Well, I think the biggest one, because search processes are long, you know, uh, we want to make them shorter, as short as we can. And, 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 and uh, whether that's even using a search firm or whatever to, to use it to shorten the process, you can. They've just chosen, I'm kind of their search 
consultant in this, but keeping them uh, energized and encouraged is has been probably one of the biggest challenges because they've had it's kind of like speed dating, you know, you uh, because you you go through all the motions and emotions with these candidates and then they decide not to come or you decide, okay, they're great, but they're not the right fit. And, uh, you know, there was one in particular that they just really liked, but they just didn't think he had quite enough experience yet. They think, you know, someday he's going to be amazing and they had to let him down and he, it hurt, you know, they could feel the, the, the pain there. And then they had one that, that they were so encouraged about that just kind of said, nah, it's not, I don't think it's for me. And he pulled out. And, um, I, I just was teasing with them after that. And I said, you know, at least they broke up before you bought the prom dress, you know? And so, um, uh, we had another one that, uh, that, that, that pulled out because, uh, of some reasons that, that, you know, we, we were not willing to make some of the changes that I, that I was also consulting with the church on. Uh, and we weren't willing to go as far on some of those changes because it really was, it would have changed the, the culture, the, the foundation of who this church is, which I don't think is, is helpful to try to do that for the next person. They need to kind of come in knowing who this church is, you know? And so, you know, he, he just kind of said, no, I'm going to step aside. And, you know, I was able to say to the search committee, I think God saved you on that one. You know, I think that was probably a good thing. So they're going to be setbacks and, and just helping them stay engaged and encouraged has been probably the, the biggest challenge in that. Um, another challenge is the pressure that the church has because the church, and I can kind of be a bridge for that a little bit. I, I start every Sunday with kind of a, hey, here's what I know about the pastor search committee. Now, I'm not meeting with them. I'm not picking your next pastor. But, man, they're working so hard and they're going, you know, so I'm trying to keep the church energized. But there, there's a pressure to know what's going on. And yet the, the other side of that is the privacy of the church because you're, you're of the search because you're um, – you know, you're, you're talking to many times pastors who are serving in another church somewhere, and you got to be very careful about that for their protection and, and for yours. And so that's another uh, challenge. Um, and then the final one that I would I would point out that's that's that has been a challenge. It's a good challenge, but the committee getting stuck. Um, we did a great job of stirring interest. So we got lots of candidates and lots of good candidates. And, uh, you know, when they sit looking at six names and they like all of them, you know, and, and can we get all of them? No, you just need one. <laughs> but that's been a challenge sometimes to get them to continue to move forward because they want to, well, I want to watch his messages and his message. And do like, you just got to get behind somebody. And one Sunday in particular, they had three names they were just really excited about. And and I, I just felt like, man, they're stuck. What are we going to do? And so I just went before the church that Sunday and I said, look, the, the problem now is they've got so many good candidates. They can't seem to, to move forward. Would you just pray for discernment for them this week that they would be able to discern clearly? And Man, they did, and they had those, uh, I, and it was miraculous almost because I just walked by. Again, I don't meet with them, but I walk by in their meetings sometimes, and they'll say, hey, say hello. And 
they had moved like they had started to rank the candidates and it was and they were unified around that. So um, but but that is a challenge, the challenge of unifying, but the challenge of moving forward at the same time. Well, one other challenge I'm sure that you have had to navigate and then the search committee has had to navigate is uh, the pandemic, yes. <laughs> COVID-19. Two times. What is what does that look like? I mean, what particular challenges has that presented or maybe it hasn't really at all? Well, it has uh, because several things, um, you know, for one, even getting the process started, we we require a church vote to for the committee to get started. So before they could look at any resumes, we had to have a church vote. Well, we weren't meeting. And yeah. and so, um, as you know, for in-person services and so and we didn't we couldn't we, we probably could have. And we were getting to the point where we were going to have to do an online type of vote and figure out how to do that. And you all know there have been pastors that have been selected in the church votes during the pandemic. So it's possible. We just didn't want to do that if we could if we could not have to. And so what we did was um, we did a combination. We did an in-person and then we allowed people to vote also um, electronically. But um, in the meantime, we just used that time for them to get to know each other, to gel, to prepare, to um, to work on kind of where they're going to uh, solicit names from and that sort of thing. So we did a lot of work before they uh, did that. And they could get to work as soon as the uh, they could start looking at candidates as soon as the church voted on them. So that was a challenge. You know, we had um, we've had twice where somebody on the committee because they've they meet every week and somebody on the committee uh, has been exposed. One actually got the, the virus. And so when we had to shut down again and and uh, take the couple of weeks and go back to Zoom. And so that's been a challenge. The um, the candidates themselves, you know, bringing them in and and and, um, uh, you know, we've done more Zoom than they normally probably would have just because of that. So, yeah, it, it certainly creates uh, challenges, but they they work through them. And I think I think it's going to it's going to be great. Well, Ron, thanks so much for joining us today and, and talking through, you know, the latest experience of <laughs> navigating your pastoral search committee, but then also looking back on, on the experience of others in the past. And for you listening, we hope this has been helpful. If it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review so that others like yourself can find the podcast. We'll see you next time.